Hallelujah. Would you stand if you're not already standing? And would you just do ministry right now? And what is that? Turn around to somebody. Smile. Fist bump them. Air bump them. Elbow bump them. Say hello. If you don't know who they are, do not be afraid. Ask what their name is. Those of you streaming, we're glad you're with us. And those that will see this later, the presence of the Lord is here. And he's not limited to time or space, is he? Thank God. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise in this house? Hallelujah. 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 That was a good start. Let's really give him praise right now. Will you give him praise? Come on. Give him a shout. I'm telling you, something that happens when you release it out of here. I've been your pastor almost 21 years. You've heard me say this over those 21 years. You can't think your praise alone. You got to speak your praise. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. You know, we love being in the house of God. We love being with one another, and it's important to us, the Bible says, not to forsake that, especially as the day of the Lord's approaching. However, I want to get right to it today. We, at times, find ourselves feeling like we're living double lives. We find that we feel even hypocritical at times with our emotions, where when we're in church, when we're at church life, whether it's a small group, whether it's prayer meeting, whether it's a corporate worship service, whatever the case, you're around other believers and it lifts you up. And then when you leave this place and you're at work where there's no other believers or you don't know if there's other believers or you find yourself challenged with a new challenge in life, emotions get a hold of us. And that quick we find ourselves doubting if God really cares, or if he knows where we are. How many is with me already? And so we, we come to this place where we got to get honest. Every single one of us find ourselves saying, God, where are you? Where are you now? Where have you been lately? And then we even find ourselves saying what Jesus said in that garden. Why have you forsaken me? I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you stand one more time, if you're visiting for the first time, we do this a lot. It's good exercise, up and down, up and down. (laughs) Those of you sitting at home, stand up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, begin reading at verse 7. You know this passage well. And then we're going to go to Psalms 42. Verse 7 of chapter 4 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, our bodies, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then it gets real honest, doesn't it? We are afflicted in every way but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. And we're even persecuted, but we are not forsaken. 
We are struck down, and many versions use the word cast, cast down, but we're not destroyed. The psalmist uh, had said it so much earlier, Psalms 42, as you're turning there, and again, you'll recognize this passage as well. As the deer pants for flowing streams, again, I like the King James, as the deer pants for water brooks. I'm just saying. Yeah, some of you are just now getting it. Just seeing if you're there. As a deer pants for flowing streams, water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, before we read these next few verses, understand who wrote this particular psalm. This isn't David this time. Sons of Korah. These are the ministers of music. These are the worship team. This is the worship leaders. So again, I'm going to go back and read those couple verses now with that information and go on a few more verses. As the deer pants, see, that sounds like a worship leader, doesn't it? As the deer pants for flowing streams, and so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Oh, we're right in the sanctuary, man. We've got our hands up. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears. Uh-oh, something happened have been my food day and night. And listen, these tears speak. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng, the congregation, and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs and praise, a multitude keeping festival. You see how this goes? Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. In verse 6, just the first part of it, and my God, my soul is cast down within me. Thank you, Lord, for the honesty of your word. Because we can connect to honesty. Speak to us today, O Lord, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You see that, that bantering, that back and forth, that up and down, that in and out? That's us. We're not alone in this thing. We come to church, feel good, go out there, and already you get to a restaurant and somebody's ticked you off. Before you got to the restaurant, three people cut in front of you, and you've already almost cussed them. I said almost. You go through the week, and it's like, oh, it's the same routine. I got a problem with this parent, with my kids. I got a problem with this. I got a problem with that. Oh, I'm going to turn on my praise music. Uh, I'm going to go to my devotion, and it's just ebb and flow. It's just up and down, things that build us up and then tear us down, these things that fight us. And then the honesty of... I mean, have, have, can anybody identify with your own tears talking to you? How expressive is the Word of God? These tears are crying, where's your God? Let's get even closer home. Any of you have done ministry of any kind, preaching, worship teams, right on, teaching, outreach, here you are ministering to others and you're struggling in yourself. How many have ever been there? For the rest of you that may not experience that, let me get really honest. Sometimes you feel like a hypocrite up here. Can some of the rest of you amen me? Amen. Yeah, you've okay, see. 
I love the honesty of God's word. There are times that we simply do what we do because it's our calling, but the emotions haven't caught up to it. My mother-in-law's right here. You've been preaching for 60-some years. Has every day been just peachy keen, wonderful? Not hardly. And yet God is faithful. Here are these, these, these worship leaders come along and, and, and they ask himself, why are you cast down, O my soul? Again, it was Paul writing. He said, yeah, we are cast down, but we're not destroyed. We're perplexed. We're confused. We struggle. And yet, it doesn't take us out. But there is a war. How many knows the Bible tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous. At times we feel like, well, why, why me? I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have a problem. But many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God. But God delivers them out of them all. There's something we got to remind ourselves of and it's simply called prevenient grace. Grace goes before us. It's always before us. God is always, but we're just saying this. You're before me. You're behind me. You're all around me. God is before us. The word of God is replete with scriptures that remind us God is always first. He's always ahead of us. No matter what we go through, God's already been there. If I go to the heavens, I find you've been there. And if I find myself pilling my head in hell, how many's ever been there? I start crying and I realize, wait a minute, there's some other tears. God's already been here. Prevenient grace. This thing called grace, grace life, oh my goodness, it is amazing. Because it's always there. And we thought we were going it alone, and yet we already find breadcrumbs. He's already been there ahead of us, and he's going to lead us out of it. There's no temptation taking us, but such is common among men. But God is faithful, who will suffer us not above what we're being tempted or tried in, but will make a way of escape. And when you're in that prison cell and you look around, you're like, I see no windows and no doors. And then you see the little note, P.S., here's your way of escape. God's already been there and prepared the path. The Word of God reminds us that the Lamb was slain before, 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 before the foundation of the world. We understand his word is replete one thing after another. He knows our end from the beginning. The word of God talks about his foreknowledge. He knows ahead of time. Nothing takes him by surprise. And in that foreknowledge, then he even predestines he gives us destiny. He gives us appointments. It's not robotic. He is putting things in place for us to make the right choice in. He's always before us. And he does that for his believers. You see, we are made in God's image. How many learned that in Sunday school? Thank God for Sunday school teachers, children's church workers, youth camp workers, putting these early verses in us. We're made in the image of God. What does that mean? Then we understand that we can connect with him. We're made in his image. In that, he, we have the capacity to know him. And he's even placed eternity in our hearts. Even when we face the valley of the shadow of death, that's why we don't have to fear because, again, he's put eternity 
in our hearts. It's going to be okay in this life and in the next. I like these Bible terms. I like these, these theological terms that we don't use a lot of times. I always call them $100 words. The word regeneration, that's a good word. It's a good, it's a biblical word, and we need to know what it means. We aren't who we used to be. Can I hear an amen? In Christ, we have been made a new creation. Old things passed. Behold, all things have become new. We are born again. The sign of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a person's life, if they've received it, is a changed life. He changes us. Sometimes we get a lot up front and other things happen step by step. That's why don't give up on yourself in him. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. Many times as we come to faith, we come to faith and then we find ourselves still struggling with some of the old battles. You see, that's the problem with us. We have a problem. It's called distractions. This is why we get cast down in our soul. Sometimes these distractions are circumstances. Anybody ever got fixated on a situation? Anybody ever worry about stuff? And we worry about it so long, then we start living a lie and we say, well, that's just who I am. I'm a warrior. It's just my nature. I'm a warrior. Well, you can own that all day long if you want to. But we can cast down all fear in him. We understand these distractions are not only the circumstances and the things that makes us worry. Sometimes it's just simply our needs. And then even sometimes it's our successes. All these things can become distractions because all of them have one thing in common. They steal our time. And now we find ourselves fixating on our success or our failure or our challenge or I got to meet my ex-husband again. I got to see the old ball and chain again. Anybody with me? Now you're afraid to say amen. Okay. (laughs) And you fixate and you fixate. And finally you get to bed at night and say, I need to have my devotions, Lord. I'm so tired. Because all day long, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. Tozer got it right. I love this statement. He says, our heart has a tough, fibrous root of fallen nature. Whose nature is to possess and to covet. Pronouns tell us that we're still battling it when we use me and mine. He said, the roots of our heart have grown down deep into things. And then he put it with a period, exclamation mark. This is a monstrous substitution. You see, we talk about worshiping God with, what's the Shema? With all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And yet that's where the battle is because we struggle giving him all because we're still here doing life and we get distracted. Lord, I praise you, but. Lord, I praise you and. Lord, I pr- 
I'll get back to you. Because I got to deal with this, and I got to deal with this, and I got to deal with this. And if we're not careful, that old fallen nature, those roots of that heart go way down into things. Things can be people, can be situations. It doesn't just have to be material gain or material loss. All these things become a substitution. Then how do I become this worshiper? And it comes back that there has to be a reality of God in our life. A reality. A man by the name of Canon Holmes of India many years ago coined a phrase, and oh, it still speaks. Many only live in the inferential character of God. We infer there's a God. Oh, my God. Or we find ourselves, you know, oh, the man upstairs. Or we infer that, you know, well, I, I, I guess God will take care of it. All these inferences, but it isn't necessarily reality. Do you know you can be churched and still only know an inference of God? An inference, excuse me, of God? Well, I, I, I'll, give it, I'll give it to God. Did you give it to God? Or are you still trying to do it yourself? You see, there is a, this is back to what Paul was saying. We may be pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Why? Because of his sustaining, overcoming, surpassing power that he alone possesses. This is why he told us, go to the upper room and tarry, that you shall be endued with power from within yourself. No. Power from your spouse. No. From your children, from your education, from your finances, from your 401k. Be endued with power from on high. It is his power that sustains us. It is his power that keeps us. It is his power that guides us through the valley of the shadow. It is his rod, his staff. He is the sovereign. He is the one that loves us and loves us so much. But we struggle. We sound so noble at times. Our intention is, God, I don't want to bother you. I got this. As if his power is limited. So where does it leave us? As Pentecostal believers, we believe in a reality of God. We believe in the spirit of God dwelling with us, beside us, and in us. But we have to apprehend God. We have to get a hold of him. The old timers would make the expression that we find in the New Testament. Sometimes you got to get a hold of the horns of the altar. Sometimes you got to apprehend God's presence. God, I'm not leaving here. Sometimes you got to be like Jacob. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long. And the angel said, hey, the dawn is breaking. I need to get out of here. You're not leaving. You're not, get, you're not going to leave at all until, until, until I get my blessing. I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to get a hold of his word, his truth, his promises, his commandments. And I'm going to say, devil, you're still a liar. The gates of hell cannot 
withstand the believer who comes full of faith and says, God, you are my answer. You have promises. I don't know when you're going to show up, but I know you're going to show up. You're faithful to your word. You're faithful to your people. You're faithful to your name. And I'm going to stand here under the promises of God, and I'm going to believe in you. We may be pressed. Paul wasn't in denial. The worship leaders of the Psalms weren't in denial. Oh, my soul, why are you cast down? Have hope in God. You see what just happened there? I got to get my eyes off the circumstance. That doesn't mean denial. I have hope in God. He is the hope of glory. In this life, in the natural, in the physical, God has endowed us with five senses to navigate through this life. Sometimes we come up and, oh my God, I'm not going there. Thank God for the sense of smell. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes it's touch. Sometimes it's sight. All these senses navigate us through the natural. And so it is to the child of God and his supernatural strength. It is by spirit. And he has also given us those things, those faculties that guide us in our spirit. Wow. And the premier thing is faith. Jesus Put it succinctly when he said, have faith in God. The reality of God. Have faith in yourself. Now, there's, there's a healthy self-image in there somewhere to have confidence in a skill set that's been learned or gifts that's been given. Experience teaching. We all rely on these things. But they are limited in their scope of what they can accomplish. Our faith has to be in God. There can be a confidence in self, but there has to be faith in God. You see, faith is, is the least self-regarding of the virtues. Because faith is like the eye of the natural. Our eyes see everything in front of it, but never sees itself. And so it is with faith. Faith doesn't regard itself. It is looking. This is why, again, the scripture says, and you've heard me preach this many times, that hope goes before faith. Faith doesn't know where to go until hope says, right here. Then faith finds its path and focuses it on it. Again, faith is not trying to build itself up. I want to close with this. As a teenager, there was a popular doctrine even that was being taught that missed the mark. Just to be honest with you, very, very much missed the mark because it was teaching us to speak in faith believing, yes. But it went to a point of saying we are to speak things by faith into existence. Those things that aren't as though they already are. <laughs> Hang on. 
Some of you are already angry with me. Stand in line, take a number. It's a faulty statement. Because then what I even heard being taught was, this is how God created all things. God spoke by faith, and it became light. He spoke by faith, and it became animals, foliage, trees. Wrong. God didn't speak by faith. God just spoke. There's, that is a good word. Because we have to understand how important faith is to us, but what it is and what it isn't. It isn't God. How many times have I preached? Many times we have faith in faith. But our faith has to be in God. Again, coming back to this prevenient grace, God is already there. He's already been there. He was there before the foundation of the world. My faith is in you, God. And I have to understand what faith is. It is not imagination. Imagination and faith are polarized from each other. But how many times have I heard preaching or teaching trying to blend the two? You see, imagination is fun and it's great, but it takes that which isn't and it tries to attach it to reality. Here's the difference of faith. Faith doesn't use imagination. Faith reckons upon that which already is. It isn't imagination. Have faith in God. Too many times in our faith journey, we push faith on into the, only the future, when a, in the sweet by and by. But as Paul said, now faith. You see, here it is. Now faith is the substance of things that hope already told him about. This is good, folks. This is going to help you. When that soul gets cast down, and it does, if we're honest, have faith in God. Have hope in God. I'm not denying my circumstance. It's still there. However, my faith says, God, you're already before the circumstance showed up in my life. Come on, somebody. Faith reckons upon the truth of your word. You are the beginning, you're the end, you're the alpha, you're the omega. You're my all in all. There's nothing I'm going to face today that, God, you're not already aware of. And you're ordering my steps. My faith is in you. Would you stand with me today?